Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company again after a fairly lengthy uh, sojourn apart, uh, being that it was the end of Yom Tif and last week kind of feeling uh, hungover from uh, the end of all the Yom Tovim, I guess. Um, and now this week, already a week on um, into the year and into uh, the Parshiot of the week and back into the throes of a regular week of life, um, it seems uh, as though Yom Tov is uh, something that was some time ago already. Um doesn't seem as though it just ended a week and a day ago. But yet, um, it still has this overarching um, reach and this overarching impact upon our lives in every possible fashion, and certainly so it should. Well, we're back to things as usual, and of course there is a lot of excitement around, um, a lot of things of a positive nature that have happened in the lives of um, our country and the lives of our people and certainly in our lives over the last short while. So whether you're talking about personal things of uh, greatness and wonderful um, simchas and so on, or whether you're talking about the fact that on this coming Shabbat, on this coming weekend, South Africa is going to be heading to a final, a World Cup final in the uh, rugby, a rugby World Cup final that South Africa has made it into that finals once again. And perhaps to try and emulate the past two experiences of winning the World Cup final is something that, of course, South Africa would love to do. Um, our rugby players would love it, love, love to do that, and our country would love it if that happened. And, of course, I uh, was speaking just the other day about the fact that I believed that the uh, government or the uh, South African Broadcasting Corporation had missed a beat, a trick, in not bringing this live to millions of South Africans and making it part of our uh, nature, part of our vibe, and part of the success of our country, as uh, the late Madiba had done uh, previously, uh, where he spotted the incredible opportunity that sport does carry with it in order to unite, in order to bring people together. But there's a different kind of a dilemma, I think, that people are confronting over this coming Shabbat, and that is that on Saturday morning, uh, sometime in the late morning, I'm not going to tell you if you don't know, um, is uh, the time where in Japan, by the way, Shabbat has ended. So if you're in Japan, you can still keep Shabbat and get and watch the game. Um, that you, um, in Japan, the, ga- the Shabbat has ended and then it goes into probably about half an hour later, goes into the uh, beginning of that World Cup final taking place then, of course, Saturday night in Japan but uh, being beamed alive around the world and reaching us sometime late on Shabbat morning. And, of course, everybody's asking all those difficult questions. You know, can we record the davening in shul because uh, we've got to watch the game live? Um, can we go out of shul a little early in order to catch the game live? Can we leave our TVs on? Um, is there something wrong with uh, pre-recorded, with recording the game, all the questions that, of course, face a modern rabbi on the weekend of a World Cup final, and can't we perhaps start our davening a little bit earlier in order to make sure that we're finished in time so that everybody can get home and uh, already be 
after the bracha, I don't think anybody would want to miss the bracha, that already after the bracha, after the kiddush, um, we could go home and we could sit down and relax and watch the World Cup final. And, of course, these are the questions bandering around, um, not only in our community, but I guess around the country and perhaps even in uh, England, because, of course, those are our rivals, our opponents in, in this game, and uh, more or less, um, give or take an hour or so um, on the same kind of a uh, timeline as we are, and they will be confronting exactly the same issues and the same problems with their World Cup rugby fans uh, wanting to know if Shabbat can be compromised in any way uh, because of the World Cup final. And so, of course, we're coming towards a very, very important and a very powerful Shabbat, um, not just because of what's going on in the Far East, but rather because of what's going on right under our noses, right in front of us on this coming Shabbat. And yes, it doesn't have that much, I guess, to do with the Parsha, but perhaps I would like to give you a couple of insights as to what it may have to do with Torah in general. Perhaps to take you on a little bit of a journey today to think about, because people often have these kind of dilemmas and these kind of challenges. And maybe if from time to time we could just think it through and get it into our minds and into our hearts and into our souls as to exactly what the standpoint of a Jew should be on all of these things, perhaps we would have a lot of an easier time in uh, putting our minds to rest, in making up our minds that, of course, there is only one option for us on this coming Shabbat. And perhaps you're going to say, sadly, it's not to watch the World Cup final live. So let's think it through. Let's perhaps begin in a strange place. Let's perhaps begin right at the beginning of the Torah. We know that we began reading last week from Breshit Bara Elohim. We know that first up, we read about Genesis. We read about the creation of the world. We then go on to the book of Shmot, of Exodus. We then go on. After that, to the book of Vayikra, of Leviticus, and after that, it is the book of Bamidbar, Numbers, and then Dvarim, Deuteronomy. And so, of course, this whole collection of these books is called the Five Books of Moses, or the Pentateuch. But did you know that if one day somebody comes along to you in your local yeshiva, your Jewish school, or in your shir, or in your shul, and they say to you, how many books are there in the Five Books of Moses? There are three possible answers. Answer number one is, of course, that there are five books, and we just mentioned them. And, of course, they are well known, and they are tabulated there in those five books of Moses. Answer number two is that there is a singled-out little book that's somewhere in the middle, kind of hedged in by goalposts, by the goalposts almost similar to what a rugby player would want to kick that ball through um, when he is converting a try or kicking a penalty, that in fact we're talking about goalposts that seem to surround a certain segment, a certain section of the book of Midbar, the book of Numbers, in a, sec- in a single couple, in a single little paragraph, two lines in the middle of a paragraph. It seems to be in the middle of a whole theme. There is something that our sages found fit to call a separate book. And they therefore said perhaps that is the sixth book. And then some suggest that up until there was the uh, third book, it itself the fourth, following it the fifth, and following that the uh, sixth book. And then in fact there may be not only five 
but there may be six, and there may actually be seven books in this Chumash. We'll be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. We're carrying on with our idea of the Torah being divided into several different books. And where I was actually going with this is to try and get you to focus a little bit of attention onto what is between those two goalposts. Remember, we spoke about them. The idea that our sages tell us that, in fact, there are two lines in the Torah which could be considered as a separate book. It is almost as though they are in parentheses. They are outlined by these two outer posts, and between them are two verses, two verses of Torah, which, by the way, are very, very common. We know them well. The first one is the simple verse. That, well, it's not so simple, I guess, but the plain, straightforward verse that most of us know and that is said when the Torah is taken out of the ark, and that is, Vayehi bin Soa Ha'arun. And it was when the ark traveled, when the ark moved forward. Vayomer Moshe, it was at that time that Moses said, Kuma Hashem limnuchatecha, Kuma Hashem, sorry, Kuma Hashem, ve'afutsu oyavecha mipanecha. Remember that God says, I will rise up and I will decimate your enemies. I'll chase them all away. And then the second verse is, It says, And when the ark came to rest, then Moses said, He said, Which is, return, O God, to the myriad of your thousands of people. What are we talking about here, and why is this considered to be a separate book? Well, the Jewish people were in the midst of all sorts of trials and tribulations um, in that book of Bamidbar, in Parshat Bahalotcha, where it actually occurs. They were in all sorts of trials and tribulations, all sorts of difficulties, and all sorts of anguish. There were all sorts of issues that they had to confront, all the issues, whether it was challenges to leadership, or whether it was challenges to God, or challenges to themselves. These were the difficulties that the Jewish people were in continuously, over and over and over again in their sojourn in the desert. And now, there is a sort of a little pause. And for a moment, we're given the opportunity just to focus our attention once again on some very important core issues. In other words, what is it that has actually kept us going? What is it that has actually kept us on the straight and narrow? What is it that has been the real direction? And where do we focus our attention between the Jewish goalposts that we need to focus our attention on during this kind of a period of time. And the first one is that just remember that whenever the ark moves forward, whenever the ark is in front of you, remember whenever the ark is taken out and is carried as this real bastion of faith and as this real uh, proud uh, symbol and a real proud structure of the Jewish people, when the ark, the Torah, which represents it, is carried and we are in tow, we are following it, and we are adhering to its tenets and to its faith. When we go along in that direction, then we have nothing to fear because God will fight all our battles. And there we have the guarantee that Moshe Rabbeinu gives his people at that time. But remember, too, that when the ark comes to rest, that when the ark comes to rest, when it is still, 
when it's perhaps packed away, as we saw it being sort of packed away at the end of a long Yom Tov period. Um, just a short while ago, we uh, really were involved in the throes of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Shemini Atzeret, Simchat Torah, Shabbat Breshit. They were coming at us fast and furious, and we were completely immersed and surrounded. Whether we are deeply religious or not, there were all sorts of images that were going on around us and all sorts of things that we were involved in and that we couldn't help but notice and be caught up in for the duration of the period of the month of Tishrei. And now today, as we stand on the first day of the next month, the first day of Cheshvan, and we've left the month of Tishrei, so to speak, behind, we need to be very, very um, cautious at the fact that perhaps we have packed the books away, we've put away the Torah, and we have kind of said, Torah, we're leaving you now. For the rest of the year, see you again next year, Rosh Hashanah, see you again next year, Yom Kippur. We'll be back to join and to celebrate and to follow your ways. But for the rest of the time in between, we're actually going to go off and do what we did before, what we were involved in before. And we're going to lead the same kind of lives that we did before. Nothing will have changed whatsoever. It was a period of time. It was a beautiful occasion. It was wonderful to be together with the family. But there was no impact, in fact, on me, there was no impact on our lives. There was nothing that changed in us at all. And as we look at today and as we think about this very juncture in our lives, as we have now left Tishrei behind and we have moved into the month of Cheshvan or Mar Cheshvan as it is often known, we need to think about that very thought. We are now at a time perhaps of Nuchayomar where the um, ark has come to a rest and Moshe says it is at this time that we really need to implore God and beg God and know that this is a time for tshuva. This is a time where we need to try and really work hard to get close. Before we were close, it was easy. It was easy to go into shul. You could find a crowd of people. You could find excitement and all sorts of um, interesting services and wonderful speeches and all sorts of things that were going on during that period of time. There were leaves. There were um, there were sukkahs. It was coming. It was going. There was uh, food and fun and all sorts of stuff that was happening over that period of time. And now... Maybe this is where we are into the doldrums, where things are just left to go their own course. And here is a time where we have to really dig deep and be a little bit more cautious. And it's at a time like this that perhaps we can come up against some of these life's challenges. And we need to perhaps think through some of the images that Torah has for us and some of the things that we sometimes take for granted that everybody gets because not everybody gets it. But there is a fundamental understanding behind the lesson that we have just learned together that the what we do in a physical world and what we do in a physical way and what we um, think about on our level has an effect in the heavens and what happens in the heavens has an effect down here on earth. So don't think or let's not think that anything that can happen here or that happens here happens in a vacuum happens all of itself, or that anything that happens up in Shamayim happens all of itself. There are links, there are complete and absolute links between this world and the world above. There are complete and absolute links between the world of the souls and the world down here of us uh, mere mortals in physical bodies. And therefore, everything that we do has an effect 
and everything that is done in Shamaim has an effect on us as well. We're completely and absolutely interlinked. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu is able to say with absolute certainty that you, Jewish people, have to know that when your ark is moving forward, don't fear. God will fight your battles for you. He knows that. It's guaranteed. When we are using and utilizing with pride what our Torah stands for, we know that all our battles will be won. Not only the battles that we ourselves have to fight, but the battles that we want won in any kind of a way, whether it's on a global level, whether it's on a, a community level, whether it's on a public level, whether it's on a country's level. We really have to understand that what we do from a spiritual point of view can and does have a huge and great impact on the world around us. So what are the options that are open to us all when it comes to uh, this coming Shabbat? The opportunity to um, keep a beautiful and wonderful Shabbat as it always is. And perhaps we have kind of been... Um, sort of uh, allowed to think that some Shab- Shabbosim are more important than others, that some Yomim Tovim are more important than others for us to keep, they all have, to a great or larger degree, a certain equality of um, of importance. In fact, <coughs> keeping Shabbat perhaps is as important as keeping a Monday morning as a Monday morning should be kept or a Wednesday morning as a Wednesday Wednesday morning should be kept and so on. There are certain things that are delineated by Torah and by our way of Jewish life that uh, pertain to particular times and they have to be kept to the utmost degree in those particular times and that is our life force. That is what not only gives us life, but in fact gives a force of life and of sustenance and of blessing to the entire world. So when we keep Shabbat or Lahavdil, God forbid, when we don't, we're in fact not only impacting upon ourselves. It's not just about the idea where we perhaps have got it a little bit um, almost childish where we think about it as being a day of rest it's a day for me to take a day off and put my feet up we're not talking about that we're talking about the fact that everything in the world is actually dependent on the jewish people keeping and doing shabbat and doing it properly and correctly and therefore as we do it as we keep shabbat and as we keep it well we are impacting on the entire world and the entire environment in and around uh, the places the realms and in fact, the uh, whole world that we occupy, that we are in. And therefore, as it comes to a time of Shabbat, very often people speak about, they think about, you know, there are certain things that certainly are directly forbidden on Shabbat. And then people like to term, you know, there's certain things that are not in the spirit of Shabbat. Um, I'm not sure if we really understand what we mean when we say that something is not in the spirit of Shabbat. And perhaps this is it. Perhaps we don't understand fully the impact that Shabbat actually has on the entire world. That is the spirit of Shabbat. We don't realize actually what it's doing for all of us, for the entire world, for everything around us. And if we were really to sit down and think about it really honestly, with integrity and deeply, we would understand that Shabbat is something that for thousands of years has never been compromised and should never be compromised. Shabbat has kept the Jewish people, as the saying goes, much more than the Jewish people have kept Shabbat. Shabbat has kept us 
unique. It has kept us singular. It has kept us pure. It has kept us holy. It's kept us on the right direction. It has been, so to speak, that ark that has led us forward and after which we need to follow to understand that that will take care of and that will be the very thing that will lead us into all the uh, realms of the glory and the wondrous things that we hope that we can achieve and accomplish not only on a personal level but on a global level as well. And if we just think about that, for the fact that Shabbat is not something that we can play with or compromise, it's not something that we can decide one day I'm going to do this and the next day I'm going to do that, but rather it is something upon which the whole world literally depends, never mind just my own life, we wouldn't even perhaps then be asking such difficult questions. Look forward to being back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Great to be back with you and we're chatting about Jewish attitudes and perhaps how we should align things from a Jewish perspective and remember what we are first and foremost and then perhaps to think about um, all the extraneous things. What actually influences what? What makes the big difference? Is it um, going from left to right? Is it going from right to left? You know, there was that famous old story that they used to tell, whether it truly happened or it was urban legend, um, remains for somebody to actually prove. But uh, supposedly there was a, a uh, discussion that happened between the, the late great uh, Prime Minister of Israel, Golda Meir, and one Henry Kissinger, who was then the Secretary of State for the United States of America. And in some kind of a quiet moment, she is supposed to have asked him how he viewed himself. Does he view himself as a Jew? Does he view himself as an American? Does he view himself as a member of the government? Does he view himself as the Secretary of State? What kind of is his pecking order. In what order does he see himself? And he supposedly responded and said, number one, I am an American. Number two, I'm Secretary of State. Number three, I'm Jewish. And she supposedly then said, thank God, in Israel, we read the other way around. We read backwards, which would place your Judaism, your being Jewish first, of course. And (coughs) if we just think about that little anecdote for a moment and think about how important it is that we as Jews have our Judaism as the first non-negotiable. Almost everything else in life can be negotiable. Um, but if our Judaism is negotiable, well, then we are standing nowhere. And is this not what Moshe Rabbeinu, what Moses, was warning the Jewish people when he said to them, He told them that um, we um, need to know that when our ark is leading us forward, that the book that is contained or the message that is contained in this important book is when the Torah is leading you forward. When that is your life, then you have nothing to fear. We've really got to start getting a little bit worried when things come to a standstill, when we're complacent, when the books are all on the shelf, when they're all concealed, when there's nothing that we're actually doing about it, when we're not studying it, we're not living by it then we actually need to have not only some concerns for ourselves, but perhaps for the entire world as well. And if we want things to go right, we as Jews need to get our priorities right, and we need to remember that what we do as Jews and as Torah Jews needs to come first and foremost. All the rest can follow suit, and everything else will actually feed off it and will be successful because of that. 
Let's take a short break and I'll be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So yes, really it is about getting back to basics. And getting back to basics um, from a Jewish point of view really means that as we have left the month of Tishrei behind, as we have now moved out of that beautiful Wonderful, full month that is full of um, beautiful events and beautiful images. And it's taken us on every possible emotional excursion that we could possibly have gone on um, during this last month. It's been trying. It's been taxing. It's been involved. And it's really, really put us through every kind of a different um, mindset and frame of mind and um, interaction and emotion and so on. While all of that has happened and we have supposedly been revamped, reconditioned and sent out now into this great wide world in pristine condition once again, uh, ready to confront and ready to face everything. We've been cleansed. We have been exonerated. We've been forgiven. We have been given a new lease on life. We've been given a complete and wonderful roadworthy certificate for us to be able to run and jump and do all the things that we've got to do during this coming year. All of that is now to be put to the test. Are we going to be able to live up to the expectations that uh, we had of ourselves, that God had as of us, through each and everything and every interaction that we confront and that we have to come up against during this coming year? Are we going to be able to say that we've passed the test, that we've done it well? Are we going to be able to say that we have put our Judaism first, that we put our Torah first, that we put Shabbat first, that that is actually what comes first? And no matter how big the challenges and no matter how difficult the decisions may be, there are certain things upon which we are never going to compromise. We're not going to compromise when it comes to Shabbat. And we're not going to compromise when it comes to our Torah. We're not going to compromise when it comes to our mitzvot and all the things that the Torah deems necessary for us to do on a regular basis. Please, God, we'll be able to pass those tests. And please, God, by so doing, we'll be able to actually change the world. Um, for the good, and we'll be able to make things a lot, lot better in every possible way. Who knows, perhaps even being able to help our team win the World Cup. Wish you well. Have a great rest of the week. Great Shabbat up ahead. Look forward to being back with you again. Same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9.